Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. Portfolio construction and risk management are tasks that take you away from where you need to be, building relationships with your clients. Aberdeen Standard Investments can support you by creating bespoke investment solutions. Outsourcing portfolio and risk management creates efficiencies, enabling you to focus on fulfilling the ambitions of both your clients and your business. This podcast is being prepared with cares based on sources believed to be reliable and all opinions expressed are honestly held at the applicable date. However, it is general information only and we accept no liability for any errors or omissions. It's being prepared without taking into account the particular objectives, financial situation or needs of any investor. Investing involves risk, including the risk of losing capital. It's important that before acting, investors should consider the their own circumstances, objectives, and financial situation. The information's appropriateness to them and consult financial and tax advisors. Investors should consider the PDS available at AberdeenStandard.com before making an investment decision. Products issued by Aberdeen Standard Investments Australia Limited, ABM 59002123364, AFSL number 204263. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm your host, Fraser Jack, and today we are wrapping up the scale up series this is episode 10 in what has been a really great series i've really much enjoyed it and i'm joined by uh con and jason from aberdeen welcome gentlemen good morning now i thought i might give you guys lovely to be here just uh give a quick introduction to yourselves and uh, let us know whereabouts uh whereabouts you how how you fit into the picture you you might go first con thanks fraser yeah so con coromillis i head up the wholesale sales business for aberdeen standard here in sydney um i've been with aberdeen for 13 years but in the industry for 26 so seen a lot of change over that uh, period of time and you know we essentially we distribute our investment capabilities into the wholesale advisor market and and family office and we also um, have transitioned the business to also look from an advisory perspective in terms of partners like firms that we can talk about later in terms of helping them scale up and deliver better outcomes for their clients. Fantastic. So you're working directly with planners around the country? Correct, yeah. Excellent. And Jace, what about you? Where do you fit in? Hi, yeah, thank you. I'm Jason Nilas. I head up the retirement and product strategy for Aberdeen Standard Investments. I've been there two years. I've been in the industry for 30 plus um, and my role is really to bring retirement income solutions into the market in Australia. And we're doing that in the combination of bringing digital upfront in terms of customizing those solutions and providing um, particular product solutions at the back end. Fantastic. I'm really keen to get into this because, um, you know, digital, uh, you know, ro- uh, bionic, let's say, uh, solutions and, and how you can we can bring sort of those conversations out into the mainstream uh, consumers within Australia, not just uh, those that had the luxury of getting financial advice. So let's get, uh, we'll get stuck into that shortly. But um, to, to start with, I thought we might quickly wrap up the, the series. We're sort of, this is episode 10 in the series. Uh, but if we go back to the first episode, uh, really um, speaking with uh, Natasha um, Janssens regarding the concept of you know uh, how to scale up a business by by really developing a community and, and looking at ways where she can uh, engage with uh, people not so much one on one but one to many. What were, what were your thoughts around that one, Jace? This is a really good concept, Fraser. Um, I think in our industry, one of the things that we get insecure of is too, too much information or not enough information. And having peer groups where you can discuss issues and your anxieties and your fears and what should you do next? And are you in a good zone or how do you get into a good zone? That's a really, really important thing. And I think whichever direction you go, whether it's through um, focus groups or 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 using the media or blogs or whatever, I think this is a really powerful way of changing behavior in the industry for savings and financial outcomes. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Just that support network of, you know, um, people uh, people that have been there before, um, people that are sort of at the same pace as you and in giving you that, that encouragement um, is great. Um, there's a lot around the idea that she did around uh, sort of values-based um, coaching. Uh, Con, what were your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, you know, I agree a lot with what Jason said there. I mean, the, the interesting part for me is that obviously, you know, whether you call it technology or the way we communicate these, it's a very natural place 
to start looking at adding value to whether it's end customers or our peers, et cetera, it, it just naturally leads to be able to develop something like this. And, and Natasha's done a, a great job, obviously, in bringing it together and delivering outcomes in in a, in a sort of usual way now, if you like, but in a way that actually adds true value into what, what we're trying to achieve. And I think that's that's the important part out of what, what I took from, from Natasha in the sense that it really delivers through areas that that we now engage with uh, outcomes that people can focus on and and improve whether that's their money aspects or how to think about their aspirations in terms of their their goals for life. Yeah, that's really interesting that that point you just made there that I picked up on, which was it is actually a bit more of a usual way these days. It was sort of a, a way in, in the past. Um, it's always been you know, if you want to have a community, you really need them to gather in the same place at the same time. Um, but now, of course, you know, they do that online, which is fantastic. It can be anywhere, can't be? Yeah. Yep. So this brings us to, I guess, the, the second episode in the series uh, where I spoke to Sue Viskovic from Alexa Consulting and around the concept of really understanding your numbers in your business, understanding your target market, understanding the business planning process, and just making sure that you're servicing, you know, you understand your cost to serve and you're servicing the right type of clients um, for both, you know, the, the, the cash flow profitability side of the, of the business and also for higher business valuations. Um, and then providing you, knowing what you know now, providing you that ability to grow and, and scale. Uh, uh, what were your thoughts, Jace? This, this is uh, one I think we've all been part of in the, in the last 12 months of the pandemic. And um, what we've seen, I think, in terms of what Sue's saying is uh, really coming back to what are the fundamentals of the business when you're in the situation where you can't actually conduct business as normal and what are the economics? And we saw a lot of online changes and, and reorganization of that. I think what, what really happened, and I think what Sue's alluding to, is this whole digital acceleration now that's taking place as part of the pandemic and the need to understand the customer a lot more and to align your strategy and your digital direction, your business direction, and integrate fully into their business. And the more connected you are, the more the economics work. And we've seen it, you know, in a lot of the supply chains for food and, and all sorts of things. I think this is was always on the cards, uh, Fraser, but it's something which I think has just accelerated in the pandemic. And I think it's good for business and good long-term. And it's something which we always wanted to do. And I think Sue's hit it right on the head in terms of the direction it's going in. Yeah, absolutely. She sort of alluded a little bit to also the idea of, um, you know, making sure that uh, – Advisors and planners looked after themselves as well, uh, from a mental health point of view, which is which was not a bad, yeah. uh, what, not a bad advice. Uh, what were your thoughts on that episode, Con? Yeah, look, look I, I did um, pick up on that, and, and I'll touch on that point. But um, you know, with the value proposition side of things, obviously, we deal with a lot of licensees, and you know, there's it's been there for a while, but there's this heavy focus on the businesses that they work with to make sure that they have their business and value proposition down pat so they understand what they're trying to achieve um how they're servicing their clients how that flows through eventual profitability in the business because as we all know you can be fantastic at your job but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to transfer to a successful business so you know you really need to understand and, and get beneath the bottom of what you're trying to achieve and that and some of that does come back to that final point you made fraser around you know advisors and and just everybody looking after their their health and well-being in terms of being able to execute on that that longer term goal. I mean, sometimes we do forget that, right? We 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 work um, long hours, forget to exercise, you know, whatever it is that that works for people to to help them mentally be set to achieve their goals, you know, longer term for their business and obviously for their clients. And so that that is a a total picture. And, and Sue does a, a great job in in communicating this, you know, through through many circles and is a leader in this space. But that is the one big thing that we do forget, right? We do forget to look after ourselves. Um, and it does come back to, you know, that is the key element to make sure you you're successful in yourself and then drive that through through your business and to the eventual benefit of your clients. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It definitely all starts with, uh, if you're the business owner and the, you know, the manager and the, and the advisor, it starts with you, right? It starts with, the, you know, making sure that you're okay and uh, that you're, you know, you're, you're focusing on the right things and you, and you, you, you are running a, a sustainable, profitable business. So, 
Uh, brilliant. We, we let's kick into episode three. We spoke with uh, David Pettit from uh, from Picture Wealth, um, talking about technology. And obviously, this is um, you know we all love talking about ways and uh, you know and technology and about uh, you know data and structures and understanding how uh, you know the client experience is wrapped around this this um, this concept of how do we you know make our businesses more effective, more efficient by using technology and and also making sure that we improve the client experience along the way. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts? I think the way of the future in most businesses is whatever traditionally we've done, we have to become owners of data, understanding data, and communicating with data better. So for me, that's a really key part uh, of what David's saying for the industry going forward. And I also like this concept of, um, and I think, Fraser, last time you might have alluded to this, the goals under management concept, which is a much more effective way visually, I think, of even saying how you actually manage money better. Uh, and traditionally, I think he's trying to break the mold of funds under management and traditional ways of, of providing advice. I think he's really got a few really good ideas about where the industry is, is inevitably going to go with data and how you actually manage those goals. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely love the goals under management. And, uh, you know, I, I know you guys are doing a lot in the goals-based advice space as well and, um, you know, making sure that everything does align back to those, you know, those goals under management. And I know, obviously, you know, you, you, you work for a, you know, a, a fund manager, if you like, or a global fund manager. And so you do have to focus on the concept of what your, you know, your assets under management are and, and those sorts of things. But I think we need to break that chain when we're, you know, having the conversation with our clients and, our, and on the front line uh, with the marketing that we do, outward marketing, we need to make sure that we're actually looking after the client's outcomes, not just you know, and their goals, not just necessarily, you know, their money. In, in a way, Con, you know, that's the jobs of the uh, of the the asset managers, right, to look after the money. Look, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is a really super important concept, actually. When you know, we as a business, you know, engage with our, you know, clients, and and we've spoken before, we're, we're looking for like minded firms to partner with, and and it's very much about this goals based approach um, where we need to think a little bit differently at how we're executing our strategies for the end benefit of our clients. And, and this talks directly to that. It's, it's a beautiful way to put it where we, you know, you're right in a lot of ways. We, we do measure ourselves with funds under management and so on. But, you know, that, that focus around what we're trying to achieve for our clients and whether we're having success or not, changing that conversation and it being more around that goals focus because that's really what clients are about, right? They've got goals, aspirations, and that's what they're looking to achieve. And if we don't talk the same language along the way, we do miss the point sometimes. So when we can connect it, and this is a great way to do it, by having a, a target around goals under management, and it's just a, a twist on what we're doing, but a really important one, I think. So, so yeah, this is this you know great stuff that that's been thought out here, and and stuff that we align with a hundred percent in terms of where we want to align portfolios and so on for what advisors want to achieve for their clients. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Jason, just on this because um, part of what we talked about in that series was the the, the concept around time saving uh, and using technology to you know free up or, or save time um how do you see this going with regards to you know like obviously the traditional advice model has been very time consuming uh, and that has been something that has pushed the price up and made it less affordable for you know the average you know the average person in the street to get uh, to get advice so how do you see technology working in the space with regards to really reducing that time to to to, to advise that's a really important question you're raising. Um, the way we see this going forward is while face-to-face -face will always exist, there needs to be another mechanism for actually getting to a wider range of Australians, um, both in savings and retirement. And, the, and we believe the way to do that is to combine automation or digital automation with human advice. Uh, and put it in the hands of the clients so they better understand what needs to be done. And face-to-face -face advice can be 20 plus hours using power planners to put everything together. If you provide the right sort of digital journey from the client perspective that actually builds up their goal statements and allows them to model themselves and get education along the way, they can actually do a lot of that work themselves and have a much better understanding of themselves personally. And we think if, if we provide that in a way which is easy to understand and easy to use, 
and combine that when the client wants with an advice piece through an advisor. We're calling this bionic. We think there's a, a great need in the industry to change the way we do things. So combining automation with whatever human advice is needed will reduce the price points for advice and will allow more clients to get access to the right kind of advice. So we see this as a game changer in the industry and a way which we, we have to move to. It's an inevitable way we've got to go. And I think the points that um, we're making also here is that we need to actually put it in place rather than talk about the theory of this. And that's one of the things we're working on and I know we'll come on and talk about as well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, there's definitely yeah, yeah. There's you're absolutely right about putting it in place, and this that's been one of the hard parts um, to put it in place in a way where um, consumers can still engage in it, and 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 you know, in what's can be quite a confronting and confusing environment, and a lot of questions to be asked. It's it's it can be quite difficult to get that client experience right as well. Um, now let's move on to episode four. I spoke to uh, Judith Beck and we focused really on the idea or the concept around um, to scale your business effectively and efficiently. You sort of need to focus on getting the right people or the, you know, um, the people with the right attitudes or that, what we call that top 10% of um, behaviors. What, what were your thoughts, Con? Yeah, look, um, in terms of this particular space, it's, when I, when I think about this, I mean, it, we we sometimes talk about you know thinking and acting like an owner you know as as employees of of a firm and to me that's that's quite important because you do want um, people that have that mindset when they're working within you so they're actually going on the journey properly they're not just you know checking in and checking out and it's not that easy always with with the different roles that people play within within firms and organisations but you know that sort of mindset for me is quite important because it says a lot around the direction of one, where the business is going, the connectedness of all the individuals within that particular firm and, and what they're trying to achieve together. And that, that ownership, if you like, you know, will permeate in a lot of benefits, you know, down the, down the track for, for the business. So, you know, so to me, that's important. There's also, you know, you don't want everyone at the same level, right? You want people that are developing at different, different paces and different outcomes you want women men and women in in roles so you can get those their different perspectives and different views you know proper balance within an organization to deliver over the the long term so so yeah you know an important topic for for us at uh, Aberdeen Standard but also just generally to to maximize outcomes within a business yeah, we did. Uh, she does cover a lot, a lot in her book. Um, you know, no sex at work, which has been recently released. But uh, that was obviously having the conversations around. You know how men and women uh, do bring different things to the workforce, but also how a lot of the time, um, uh, her book goes into a lot of the idea of how sometimes people self sabotage themselves and um, you know out of some of those roles. So that was a bit of an eye opener um, for a lot of people, I think, as well. Just making sure that. Um, as you said, you know it's an, it's important for organisations to understand uh, that p- different people have different needs and and for and how some of those organisations are going about it. What were your thoughts, Jason? I find this topic one of personally one of the most interesting to look at in the in the workplace because I think as we get older, and Con and I are getting on a bit, but not that old. When you have skills that you can provide and you've learnt those skills over a few years and even decades. Those skills in the modern workplace with what we've seen with the pandemic are actually more important in the long run. And providing those skills across the organization and having the ability to to have reservoirs of huge knowledge is absolutely vital. Um, I think we've always come from the perspective that, you know, um, as you get older, you move out with the conveyor belt, you drop off at the end as a cliff and away you go into retirement. I know we're going to come on and talk about that. But I think is we're going to reshape the way things are. We're going to live to much longer. And the older you get, perhaps the more valuable you can become if you know how to become valuable. And I think, you know, as long as you understand technology and digital and your role, I think the whole idea of hierarchy within an organization and gender bias has to fade away. And we've got to get into an area where we're much more driven by having a network of subject matter experts and people who have been there before who can really help and equalize, I think, the workforce and make it high performance by doing that. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And she certainly covers that uh, with a lot of her passionate work that she's done over the years with um, Financial Executive Women or FEW, if you like, FEW, around that, you know, that whole concept of that mentorship and understanding from people that have been through things before you, um, just how to get the most out of it. So, yeah, that was a really interesting episode. I enjoyed that. Uh, I had a great conversation with Judith around that concept of making sure um, you're getting the most out of the people that you do have with you. And, uh, and if you are one of those people, then you get getting the most out of your workplace so that, um, so that yeah, everyone can perform at a really high level. Definitely enjoyed that. Now the, uh, the next episode, uh, in the series, uh, episode five was with, uh, Paul Feeney. Uh, we got right back into the, and, and geeked out on the, uh, the digital advice concept again, <laughs> uh, which we do. And I know Jason, you enjoy, so I'll, I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, this brings together a few of the concepts we're talking about, I think. And, and Paul's an example of somebody who not just talked about it years before this became a hot topic, but actually did something. Um, and I take my hat off to him in terms of the timing of what he did and how he went about it. And what he's actually done, which I, which I really admire, is he's seen the issue in the market with high cost advice and the lack of impartial advice. And he's created a really economic level playing field through digital technology to be able to get the information you want and make it available to and scale up in terms of the, you know, the large super funds or, or wherever at an individual level. And um, he's built on that concept, that really simple concept, and really built this into something which has incredible legs, is easy to understand and is available to everybody. So uh, I can't take my hat off to him enough. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I want to also touch on the concept um, that building technology platforms, and we sort of did it obviously in the, in the, in the episode, but it's not easy. Uh, there is a lot of different um, moving parts pulling you from one side to another. Um, it all costs a lot of money, of course, um, to produce, and, and Paul sort of had to um, you know, uh, shake the can a few times, obviously, with regards to you know, finding investors to keep putting money in and, um, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Jason, when it comes to building a software, because, you, you know, you can, you can dig a really big hole and throw lots of money in it if you're not careful. That's exactly right. These are not overnight successes. So the idea might be really, really revolutionary and the timing is good, but it takes more than just uh, a few years to get these things to a critical scale. And in Paul's case, um, he was talking about this years in advance uh, and kept beating the traps uh, through Stone and Chalk and others and talking to the industry. Uh, and like other platforms in the market, I can think of things like Hub24, that is, is a great platform, but took years to actually mature. Um, and these things are driven by people with a vision, people who don't give up, that believe in everything and, and move forward. And uh, there's a lot of great ideas and people who started things out there that didn't make it. Um, and Paul's an example of one of those who did. And um, you're absolutely right. The, the perseverance and the funding and ongoing belief on a day-to-day -day basis to get these things to happen is perhaps even more important in some ways than um, just the concept itself. Yep, fantastic. Uh, what were your thoughts, Con? Yeah, like really, I mean, Jace covered a lot of a lot of um, points around the technology and, and why it's important. So, I mean, from my perspective with this and having the experience as well, you know, working on our digital solution with with Jason is that you know regulation can make things difficult as well. Um, so, you know, there's good ideas; um, they can solve a particular problem that's in in our market, but there's rigidity around how you need to bring that to market and there's a lot of compliance structure and rightly so, but it can make it difficult for something that's mass scale to, to get out into the market and serve the outcome that it's designed to, to do. And I, and I suspect over time why things take a little bit longer than normal as well is that there's a lot of navigating that side of the equation. So getting it right and having the perseverance and, and all credit to, to Paul for doing that. It takes time. It um, you know you go through up and ups and downs, and then you know you have hopefully something that can be taken to market. It can be robust and, and deliver the outcomes. And I, I do like we've had a little bit of the theme going through some of these, but we had you know goals under management and and the measure for success here. You know in terms of Paul was you know how many people they help. You know quite honourable ways of of looking at the outcomes that you want to achieve. You know a business that's not necessarily 
listed on a stock exchange that has to report to shareholders can actually have a slightly more purist endeavor in terms of what it wants to try and achieve. And, and these, over time, they develop and, and um, they scale up and potentially become very, very big businesses. But early on, the premise behind it is, is an honorable one. And, it, and this, again, has that same flavor in terms of what it's trying to achieve to get mass advice out to to um, clients. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right on um, with that, Con, on the, on the concept of the, the, the regulation, um, but, but not just the regulation, is it? It's like the regulation was one thing because that's in black and white. It was fairly easy, I guess. Not, not easy, but it was like in, in black and white. Um, but then the, the adoption of licensees and, and, uh, and you know, to, to, to then to be able to allow it or, or, or bring it in. How have yeah. you... You know, obviously, that's part of being part of uh, his struggle, not just creating the concept and getting it off the ground, but also the concept of the adoption and, and speaking to planners. And in a way, we can be fairly stuck in our ways, can't we? Because of the clients, the the compliance regime we've been through, we can be pretty stuck in our ways and not not want to change too much too quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jace, uh, I know Jace is, is smiling there because I can see him. Um, so he can talk to this this definitely, but but you're absolutely right in terms of licensees taking on the solution. They have to be comfortable from their compliance perspective and how that's going to roll out. So there is that dual level, right? You have that the solution that's gone through robustness to deliver what it's trying to deliver, and then you have to then fit it into um, yeah the licensees or the the end group that takes up the solution that wants to deliver it to advisor. And that's not always easy to implement um, uh, from the other end. Uh, Jace, I know uh, you've got some thoughts on this, so I'll pass on <laughs> to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Con. Uh, I think um, Paul's journey is also uh, mirrors somewhat ours as well. Um, I've found that um, with the deployment of digital technology um, in the new way of doing things, regulation often in compliance doesn't actually help accelerate anything and can be very costly to be compliant. So traditionally where the compliance is written, it's still an expensive business to run with compliance. With digital technologies, there's an extra risk. It's a new dimension to the whole thing. And that's why very few people in the market have been successful with launching um, advice-based products into the market. Um, and added to that, um, in terms of what both Yukon uh, and you, Craig are talking about, is um, the fact that the um, each advice group has a different nuance for what compliance looks like, what, it, what should be in the SOA, how to interact with the client. There's no standardization in the industry. So when you try and look to standardize these things, it can become very, very tricky to do so. And I think um, every single firm has its own take on what to do for compliance and has its own idiosyncrasies, which does mean we don't get consistency in the industry. Oh yeah, uh, I think that's uh, that's a fairly uh, the, the consistent thing is that we're all inconsistent, I guess. <laughs> yes. Fantastic, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that, Jason. Um, now the next thing, uh, the next episode, we spoke to uh, Michael Laws, who is the national manager of business coaching uh, with Ephinia, uh looking after many of their Finia uh, advisors, and we really we really got deep into the concept of you know um, looking at business frameworks around you know, making sure that the client experience was there, but that the, the actual business was set up in a way where the, um, the time management was well-structured, uh, there was focus on the right things, um, people or advisors spending not just time, client focus, uh, time focused with clients, but also um, focusing on times uh, working on the business, uh, whether that be, you know, uh, practical terms of the business or whether that be entrepreneurial um, blue sky thinking. Uh, Con, what were your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, a couple of things for me. Obviously, there's the there's a bit that Michael talks about in terms of how clients find you, which you know is is quite important in the sense that you know websites and how it looks and how it feels and the language that's used and the images that are used um, are quite important. You know, for for a client that's coming in a sense from out of the blue and, and searching for for advice, you know, lands on web pages and, and looks for stuff. So that that's important. And then the ongoing relationship for me is a big one because when you when you think about advisors and their their clients, you know that 
they're, they're going to be clients for life, hopefully. So it's, it's a long journey. You want to build over time with, with that relationship that you have with clients and the focus there to try and make sure that you build out a robust structure there so that, you know, clients feel, you know, a little bit corny, I'm going to say, but, you know, part of the family in some ways, um, you know, that real, you know, touch that advisors can have in building out and getting outcomes for clients. Right? We hear a lot of good stories with you know long-term relationships where advisors have truly helped um their clients you know the news always focuses on that story that's not you know has has not worked out as well as we all would have liked but you know almost all scenarios are where advisors have truly helped their clients achieve their outcomes and you know that that comes down to relationship and understanding what drives your clients and and having you know connectedness in trying to achieve that together so, so to me, they're sort of you know, two key important points. Yeah, absolutely. So one, I, one at the beginning and one at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just um, oh, the ongoing relationship is is huge, and I think that's I think we're in a relationship business, and we need to understand if you're going to pr- be providing you know ongoing financial advice that we need to, and that's probably one of the things that consumers don't necessarily understand when they walk in. You know, we sort of need to qualify whether there are are you after a transaction or are you after a long-term somebody, a relationship where someone's going to have your back all the way through to make you, to reach your goals. So I think that's sort of one of the the qualifying questions that we need to do maybe more in the, in the pre-advice part that you mentioned um, of just quantifying and qualifying what those things look like for consumers to be able to make that decision very early on. And also on this, the, the pre-advice um, piece, cause I'll get you to comment on this one, Jace um, is a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's online. We're now developing relationships online, especially after the last 12 months where we've sort of had to um, communicate that way. And, uh, you know, I've, I sort of think that uh, relationships develop slower online because you're not in that proximity where you're, you know, physically shaking somebody's hand or sitting quite close to them across a t- small table or whatever it might be. And when you're in that proximity with somebody, you tend to develop a relationship a little bit faster. That trust becomes um, a bit faster. But online, it still happens. It just takes more time. Um, so from a you know using technology piece, uh, Jason, getting that stuff right at the beginning to make sure that you're providing some sort of consistent and regular helpful um, process around so that they're getting something from you to develop trust in the relationship. What are your thoughts on on this? This is something that we are we have looked at as well, and we are building a solution for because this is this is fundamental to acquiring new clients down the new world. And what we're finding is that it's it's easy once people are in the digital funnel, if I can call it that. But it's how you initially engage with them to get them in the funnel. What is the secret source that does that? And this is where the I think the new, if you like, battleground is for new clients to get ongoing relationships. It's all about. Um, and what we've focused on in, in this regard is really the whole behavioral aspect of how we get a particular uh, prospective client to actually think about engaging, to understand what they're going to be talking about and simplify the whole thing up front. Um, very often, I think clients don't understand advice. They've never had it. They don't know what it's about. I think you made the point, you know, do they want a relationship, a transaction? And they probably don't know because this is a big kind of uh, black hole. Um, so we've worked on what is that engagement secret source to get people in. A lot of people, once you know them, have great ways of having relationships and building rapport. That's what the industry is about. It's that, that initial thing. And I think technology then is the next generation of how you deal with um, volume-based scaling up type of uh, approaches but no one's really cracked the engagement piece yet, I think, in terms of actually what does that mean to do. Yeah, certainly right. And there's, there's, as you mentioned, you know, the, the idea of technology is that you can engage people at scale. Um, you know, it's very difficult to do that um, unless you're speaking in a room full of people. Um, but technology has allowed us to be able to speak to a room full of people. Just for this podcast, you know, is a great example. Um, we're speaking to a lot of people who are consuming this content uh, in their own time, in their own place, uh, not necessarily brought together in the room at the one time. But, uh, you know, these are the sort of things that technology can allow us to do um, over a longer period of time. Exactly. 
Uh, that probably brings us to one. I think one of the most important concepts around, um, you know, around what we talked about in, in this series of, of scale up, and this is in, in episode seven where I um, spoke to Michael Back. Uh, Michael Back, of course, um, coached to many financial planners, runs a business called Human to Human, um, but we really honed in on the concept of implementing and putting things in place because, um, you know, we, you know, Jason, Colin, we've we've all seen great ideas uh we've all um, seen people talk about great things and think that that'd be amazing that'd be incredible but the you know the, the 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 proofs in the pudding right it's it's if you actually implement them then they're likely to work it's a bit like i suppose when financial planners give their clients uh financial advice if it's not implemented then there's there was actually it, it didn't help exactly. anybody so um so we really focused in on the concept of you know being able to find something that's going to provide scale to your business, but then actually putting it in place. Uh, what were your thoughts, Con? Yeah, look, this is something that a lot of people grapple with, right? In our personal lives sometimes and obviously in our business lives. And you know, from our perspective at Aberdeen Standard, we, we've consciously taken a, a big focus on this because it can be, you know, when when you're doing your day-to-day and you're, you're you know, dealing with your clients, if you're a financial planner, and we're dealing with our clients who are financial planners, you're sort of going through the day to day. And sometimes you're not thinking about what's the longer term play and what should we be delivering to the market. And, and this will be very, you know, Jace is obviously a great example in what we've done to, to execute something from scratch in terms of the digital um, uh, side that we bring into market where it's something new and to execute that you know, great ideas, but to execute it through an organization such as ours, it takes a lot of steps. And that's a, a phenomenal example of, of how that can come together. And we've done the same thing at a more simple level around, you know, what capabilities do we have globally that makes sense for our local market? It's very easy to just continue on with what you've traditionally done in your local market and not think about, you know, how can we further assist advisors and asset consultants and asset allocators to deliver better outcomes from an investment portfolio perspective and if you're not then that the idea is always there but the implementation is not and if it's not part of your I'll say culture I don't mean it exactly in that way but you know if it's not part of your process and I think you know Michael talks about it a little bit where you know you need to have a clear understanding I think he was talking about having the capability and then whether you want to do it so you know you really need to assess the value it's going to add and then make a decision that you're going to do it and then have the resources to be able to, to execute. So it's, it's quite an important area to really drive, you know, a business forward to achieve its, its outcomes. Yeah. Jason, that's probably the process you've been through as well, is it, you know, making sure you're clear on what you want to deliver and finding the capabilities within the, whether that's the financial or, or, or people or humans or whatever it might be. Uh, and then having the motivation to push through um, all the obstacles. Well, that's exactly right. And I think the point here is that having a vision is important. Having an exciting vision is is important. But knowing how to provide regular practical implementations of what that is, being agile in a sense, changing the way you work internally to achieve that. On our own journey, I'd just like to give you an example. When we were building the solution we're launching in a couple of months, um, a lot of people we talk to in the industry, these are financial planners, these are, are licensees, said to us, oh, we had another group come and talk to us and build this, and they were building it, but they ran out of money because they didn't know how to put it in place in time, or the compliance was so difficult, they went on and on, couldn't work out how to crack it, and in the end, they decided not to take the risk for being non-compliant and launching something. So, so I think there's a trade-off here between having a great vision and being practical about what it is you're trying to achieve, um, and that's something I think we're all struggling with in the industry. Um, but the, the main point is if you don't have anything in place, then having great thoughts, knowledge, uh, thought leadership only goes so far. It doesn't take you to the next level. Yep. He also mentioned the, uh, as he's done before, the OKRs system, which is objectives and key results, uh, and really focusing on the concept that um, if, if you understand what your key results are, what your objectives are, and then just set about as you mentioned before in that agile way where you put a sprint down and just go right well let's just go and make sure we focus on these things and and get that in place uh, which i thought was fantastic 
So this brings us to the uh, episode eight in the Scale Up series where I spoke to James Wortley, uh, who's really doing something different um, with his thinking in the client experience space. He's he's adopting technology, not not, uh, technology that's not available to every single one of us. In fact, technology that is almost free, uh, if not slightly paid, um, for us all to use in in that video and and video recording um, software to use a new level of thinking and saying, well, how can we look after our clients in a way where we provide them an experience that is is much better, but we're also using technology. So he's created the video statement of advice, um, which frees up a heck of a lot of time from their business uh, and time and effort, as well as providing a better client experience. So it's, it's really just taking you know, technologies that are available to us all and is and just creating this new process around the video te- uh, statement of advice, which uh, which is clients are loving, which is very interesting. And I think a lot of people will start adopting in the future. What, what were your thoughts, Con? I love this stuff. It uh, To me, it's, it's sort of just really taking, you know, the summary that might be on paper of the statement of advice, because obviously the statement of advice can go over many pages and as much as clients need to read that, you know, it's it's questionable that a client would spend the time. You know, they'll focus on the summary and understand what um, what's being put in place, and and this just brings it to life, right? We, you know, to give you an example, we do the same thing with our clients where we we engage in an advisory perspective. We we do video recordings of what we would normally present in the investment committee meeting of how the portfolios perform, what the review is, the outlook, etc. And you do that in a in a short you know, eight to 12 minute video. And this is, you know, in bite sizes that they can use with their clients as well. So it's not just for the advisor, it's it's delivered in a way that can push down through to clients so they can get a perspective of what's going on. So so this this is great stuff in the sense that, you know, it just simplifies things for the client. It engages them a lot more. It gets them wedded, I think, one to what's being delivered and also to that advice practice because it's being made as simple as possible for them to understand what's being put in place. And then from an ongoing perspective, I'm not sure what the the ongoing perspective is, but I suspect they may do something similar, you know, in terms of you know, messaging to their clients what's what's transpired, et cetera. They may end up adopting a, an approach on an ongoing basis. But there's the this is super powerful stuff for advisors in terms of, you know, changing their business in a very simple way. I think you you mentioned it's not new technology in any way. It's just using things that are at our hands to just deliver a better experience. So that's, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Really, stuff from, from James. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt that this, this is something that, um, that can be easily adopted. It's not a great outlay in, in cost. Um, you know, you, you need to make sure you've got a camera that can capture your image clearly and you need to make sure that, you know, you've got a microphone where people can hear you properly, but that's not a, not a great outlay. Um, and Con, as you mentioned, just the, the concept of creating short videos from an, an investment management point of view and sending that out to uh, advisors for them to be able to use, um, but, you know, understand what's going on from an investment point of view, uh, but then also relate it to the client's. How good is that for scale? You know, like you you record that once and you send the same video out. Yeah, no, exactly right. It, it's, it is the most efficient way where we can deliver an outcome to an advisor where they can push it out as far as they want. So, you know, the, one of the groups that we deal with um, puts it on their website, provides a link to all their clients um, to provide, to gain access to that particular update. So that, that, Exactly right. It, it basically permeates through everybody and they can consume it as we've been speaking earlier at their own time and, and when they, you know, feel most uh, at hand to, to go over a video such as that, you know, when they've got a bit of free time, not at a time that has been set where we want to get them in a room and, and deliver that particular update. It's consumed on their time. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's brilliant stuff. Yeah, and Jason, you've worked with a lot of licensees around, um, you know, structuring what what should be in a statement of advice and uh, and how technology can play a part. And obviously, um, you know, a lot of lot of licensees are still in the space where it's got to be written. I guess you could say. But uh, you know, what are your thoughts on technology in the in the SOA? I think this is great. Um, what what I particularly like is you pointed out it's not new technology, but it's the experience of using this technology in this way. 
And to get a parallel, we do this in the UK. We do have some of our clients that we do videos for, but they are slightly different. I'll just explain what we've done. We've used animation in ours. So instead of actually having a video recording of someone talking to you, uh, the example we give is someone's on a bicycle and they're sort of going along this path and, it, and the, the voiceover is explaining what you've said on your client digital journey, what you've put in, what you want, what your goal aspirations are. And then it collects various people along the way and things. And it ends up as it's talking to you with the finishing line there and the bicycle, depending on what you put in, either falls short of the finishing line or, or meets it. So it actually says to you, given what you've told us today, you're not quite there. So if you do the following things, we think you could get there. And likewise, if you've done all the right things, we think you've done the right things. And maybe there's some other things to look at as well. So it really not only gets volume out, but it also gives incredible personalization in a, in a succinct short way. Yeah. Now I have this, uh, as you say that I have this vision of, you know, the future where um, a lot of these animations uh, are done in very short form but are dynamic enough to form part of the journey. So the journey actually is co-created by the client as they're putting the information in, you know, co-creates the journey uh, and the video is smart enough to d- dynamically change the outcome of the video depending on on what it might be. So I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I can just, uh, I have this vision that in the future that could be how statements of advice are provided to clients, which would amazingly bring, you know, the price down, uh, you know, the whole idea of, you know, charging thousands of dollars for an SOA fee, uh, could be out the window. Yeah. yeah. And a lot more exciting too. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And probably more engaging, For I would everybody. say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, which yeah. brings us to uh, the episode nine in the Scale Up series where we really focus, I spoke to Haley Knight who runs a outsourced power planning business. Um, but the, the main concept around this episode was the idea of, you know, outsourcing and finding the right people um, in that space of outsourcing. Connor, I might let you um, take this one because you're sort of working with a lot of advisors at the moment um, around, you know, an outsourcing solution? Yeah. So, look, I think when I sort of think through Haley's um, podcast, I think one of the things that come out, that comes out is, I mean, I like the, the concept that she talks about, the, the first impressions, because I'm one that, you know, you don't always necessarily get it right, but first impressions are a pretty good indicator of, potentially whether you're going to get on with someone or whether you you mean you see eye to eye etc you know there can be certain signposts in those early interactions um so i think the focus there is is quite important but you know in in terms of when you're looking at outsourcing certain parts of of your business i think you know understanding so getting that first impression but then understanding what you're trying to achieve and whether you can gel with that person to generate the outcome so you know we've spoken before around what we do with with partners that we want to work with you know we're not open for everybody it's we're trying to deal with people that um we have similar ideas in what we want to try and achieve um the, our conversation is the same in how we want to build out those portfolios and it's just a, an efficiency gain by them partnering with us to deliver those outcomes for those for their clients and and that's quite important. I think if you, you know, you can't go after price necessarily only, but that's important. You know, there's, there's different elements that you can focus on to make decisions, but sometimes they can send you astray because they're not exactly the right areas to to provide the decision-making around. They're just a, a an input in, in your decision-making. So I think the key drivers for me are, you know, that, that initial, you know, gelling of, of you as individuals and then also that you do see eye to eye in terms of what you're trying to achieve. And then from there, I think you do get the the benefits of the partner that you choose. And then, you know, you don't have a bad experience as you, you flow through that because, you know, you have alignment in what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, exactly right. I also feel like a lot of the, um, of what Haley was sort of talking about was the the concept around developing strong professional relationships with your, whoever yeah. you're partner with and, and making sure that's not just, um, uh, you know, like I, I need you for this one thing right now. That's uh, again, same thing with clients and advisor relationships. Mm-hmm. It's about finding somebody who's going to provide that ongoing professional relationship um, over a long period of time, not just a, you know, flash in the pan. Yeah, no, I agree. What were your thoughts, Jason? I think Con's really covered all the major points. I've really got nothing to add to this. So good job, Con. <laughs> well done, Con. Good on you. <laughs> Thanks, Jace. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time ever you've said that, isn't it? No. <laughs> We're breaking new ground here. 
Um, yeah. So, Jason, you've talked a lot. Of, uh, you've talked a lot about the uh, the sort of the technology solution that um, you've been working on. Um, perhaps, if you wanted to give a bit of an overview of that uh, and how that's going to look at providing scale to financial planners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our overall vision and goal is to provide uh, better financial outcomes to more Australians in retirement. Um, and to do that, we need to take a different approach than what traditionally is happening in the market. So we've covered a lot of interesting topics already, but we do know the price of face-to-face advice is going up. It's not coming down. The people that can afford that are, are very, very small in number. There's a real issue about how we provide more better outcomes to, to more Australians. And, and the way we've approached that is to use the digital path through journeys, engaging with those clients on behalf of advisors to achieve that. So um, there's a couple of phases we're working on at the moment. There's one we're la- launching in the next couple of months, which is around the looking at the advisor base and looking at the predominantly non-advised clients and how you can better engage with them. So we're providing a digital uh, journey and investment solution to improve retirement outcomes from them, which is largely goal-based. So they can go through this journey, model their own goals in their own way, decide what they want to achieve at retirement in terms of a goal and and then execute that. And they can do that straight through processing as well. They can actually hit a button and select an investment solution. The SOA is generated electronically and they can execute that directly without intervention from an advisor. However, our goal is to provide bionic advice. And that's the combination of this automation I've just described and human advice from from a uh, financial planner. And the way that happens is the it's client-driven. So the client can go as far as they want in terms of automating and then access and involve the advisor at the point that suits them. And what that means is we believe it's going to change the price points in the market for obtaining advice and making advice more accessible to a lot more Australians. So instead of the high prices of face-to-face, by cutting down time from 20 plus hours. We think in some cases this can go down to two or three hours max, and therefore the price of advice would dramatically come down as well. Uh, This also means in a sense that the advice practices might have to reorganize. Instead of being all face-to-face, they might have to provide telephony advice and other ways of communicating with those clients. But we think this is the way of the future. Um, and we want to be much more retail focused. You know, we're a retail environment superannuation, but we don't have all the digital tools to enable us to do that. And that's particularly true in retirement, where at the moment, there's very few options to move into into retirement. The retirement advice is expensive. So we need a mechanism to actually rework the whole industry, reimagine how we can better engage as clients, how we take the anxiety out of approaching retirement where you don't have income or you have less income and you need to make your money last longer. You know, how do you do that? And and that's a very, very um, high stress thought for a lot of Australians. And that's what we want to achieve. We want to we want to break through in this space and make it much easier. Yeah, exactly. So thank you. So there's obviously a, 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 a lot to this jigsaw puzzle, obviously, you know, in, in the overarching providing advice at scale for both for planners to be able to offer um, that high touch service where they're, you know, they might be spending a lot of time and building and developing that long term relationship. But they're actually in the back end, they could be using uh, the technology in a, in a way where they're reducing a lot of their, you know, their time on the the technical aspects of it where the the system actually creates the technical aspects and they're just delivering the the relationship piece fantastic i love the conversation around goals by the way um and looking and focusing on those goal outcomes and and making sure that's a real focus uh for the consumer and 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 for them to be able to put their goals in and understand and then model their goals i think is 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 fantastic so congratulations on on what you're doing there i'm looking forward to the release of that when it comes out uh, now, Connor, what might get you to comment on? Because you're sort of in a very different part of the business when it comes to what you're what you've been working with um, planners, and and really sort of around that investment management piece around um, helping planners set up uh, that outsourcing of you know their their committees, and and but still in a very goals based uh, 
way. Do you want to have a quick chat about what you've been working on? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Fraser. Yeah, it, it's it's quite exciting to have what Jace is talking about on the digital side and the solutions we're trying to bring to, to market to help uh, deliver advice uh, a lot more easily. And then on our side, uh, or the side that I'm more closely working with is, is us really working with advisors who are looking to potentially outsource their investment capability. You know, 10, 10 to 15 years ago, you know, investment capability was, was generally always in-house. Um, it was tightly held. It was run by advisors. There wasn't as much rigor around it in some cases. And as, as technology has has come into and afforded us the ability to automate certain aspects, it has changed that landscape. And so you, you do see a lot of you know, consultants, researchers, et cetera, providing services to advisors to create better outcomes um, for them as a business. And then obviously uh, through to the end clients, you've also got licensees now who are taking, you know, models that they've run for their own advisors and now taking that to the external market because there is the need. So even if advisors are not aligned to a licensee, there is potential need for the expertise that's there. And we're, we're coming into that, that same space or in that same space since you know, 2017, where we've been working with advisors to deliver a different outcome for them. And we're looking for advisors that have got a goals-based philosophy around what they do. I think the key benefit that advisors are starting to realise, and you're seeing over the last few years a real acceleration in advisors, one taking up managed accounts or SMAs, depending on how you want to look at it, outsourcing that particular capability because we've seen it, it generates value um, for the business in terms of valuation. Um, you, you know, we've seen statistics where you know, if a business has you know 75% or more of their clients in a managed account structure or an outsource structure, profitability close to doubles in that particular firm. The early days of transition are the challenge because you're moving a business and it, it is intensive to change from what you were doing to a, a new structure. But if you've decided to go down that particular path, the end goal is very clear, the advantage it can provide to to one, you as a business, but also importantly to, to the end client. And, you know, advisors, you know, in our proposition, to give you an example, they're gaining access to a global fund manager depth of resource, real rigor around risk management uh, in terms of what we're trying to achieve in portfolios. They've got direct access to portfolio managers. Um, you know, the portfolios have got a lot of structure around them in terms of understanding the probability of success. And we deliver ongoing analysis of that to particular clients. The portfolios are stress tested on an ongoing basis. Um, and for us, we partner with, when I, when I talk about partnering with advice firms, we build out those models together with them. We launch on the platform that they're comfortable with. Um, and so there is that, and they can name those solutions what they want, right? So they're not picking up these things off the shelf. It's, it's if the advice firm wants to have their, their name on that particular solution, some do, some don't. We provide that that flexibility for us to do that. But the starting premise for us is, is obviously firms that want to outsource because they're starting to understand one that clients don't necessarily value where the time is being spent by advisors. So, you know, advisors will spend most of their time in the risk profiling, the working out the portfolios, um, how that needs to look, managing it on an ongoing basis. But the client doesn't actually care about that really. When you look at, again, surveys that have been done, they're worried about how am I tracking? Am I going to meet my goals? Uh, you know, what do I need to do to get there? It's not about the portfolio and we as an investment industry has always focused on that and that's where advisors in many cases added they felt they added the most value but it's the area that clients value the least it's really that the coaching and the journey and so advisors that understand that outsourcing today is a much easier um, thing to go down and also adds potentially so much value and then from our perspective if they're thinking more down that goals-based approach so truly trying to understand what the client wants and how to deliver that, then, you know, we're looking to partner with them and we've got, you know, solutions across a number of advice firms that we partner directly with to deliver, you know, better outcomes for clients. Wonderful. Thank you, Con, for, uh, for setting that up. Uh, yeah, so certainly for 
covers a lot of the themes we've covered um, in this series around the idea of understanding what your business model is, what you want to do, um, then you know going ahead and finding the right professional relationships and, and outsourcing solutions to do that, uh, and then of course the implementation of that, which is you know putting it in place and, and going through the steps so that you know you have that ongoing and long term relationship. So. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, for today coming on and uh, and wrapping up this series. It's been great, and I really appreciate your comments. Um, you know, obviously bringing different different ideas and uh, perspectives to it all. So I really appreciate it. If somebody wants to continue the conversation or find out more about what you're doing, what's the, what's the best way for them to do that? So from from my perspective, they can reach out to to us at Aberdeen Standard. So the easiest way, if they haven't got our contact details, is to just jump on the, the website and the contact us page. Otherwise, you know, we do have a lot of relationships in the market. So just reach out to your your contact or come to me directly and uh, more than happy to help. Excellent. And uh, and Jason, we look forward to, um, you know, looking out for when some of the, the products that you've been developing uh, finally come to fruition and, uh, and become available for financial advisors to start using. Thanks, Fraser. And I'm happy to come back and show you what it looks like when it's launched, if you like. Fantastic. Thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Fraser. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the XY Advisor podcast as we wrap up the Scale Up series. Uh, And I'm joined by Em. G'day, Em. Hey, Fraser. Happy Thursday. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Like it's the, uh, coming towards the end of the week, end of the series, and uh, almost time for Easter. But uh, look, let's get into the shout out. All right, let's round out this series with a great shout out to XY legend and advisor Dylan Martin. He sparked a discussion on the platform which has taken off. It's by far been the most popular conversation this week, and it centers around solving the problem or cracking the code on how to deliver holistic advice to younger clients or millennials without them being turned off by the cost of traditional advice. So plenty of advisors have been jumping in, giving Dylan some of their ideas or the way they're doing it in their business. Others were jumping in to agree and say, hey, we are still trying to figure this out in our business as well. Um, And I think this is really a, a, a problem that we need to solve as an industry trying to yeah, work out how we can get to that middle ground to be able to um, deliver great advice to those, uh, especially those accumulators, those people who are at the start of their journey, even with the increasing, ever increasing costs to deliver that advice. So thank you for starting that conversation, Dylan. I hope you got plenty of gold nuggets out of it and I hope everyone else did too and keen to continue and, and see where, where it goes from here. Yeah, what a great conversation and certainly something that, uh, that the industry is looking at at the moment, the, the affordability of financial advice. So great work, Dylan. What a legend. 